Congratulations. You made it to the XFIL. You can sit back and relax. Use both clicks in all the menus to get to the flea market. And we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us for that journey. This week, we are doing hideout keeping, so you hideout haters, hang out for just a second. We did notify the winner of the PC giveaway, so make sure you check out Twitter for all of that info, and stay tuned for our next giveaway in November. We do have another one coming, so make sure you follow social media for all of that. We'll have another giveaway coming to you guys soon, but that's it. So the best way to support the show is always, and has always been, to share it with a friend. Whether it's someone you game with, someone who's thinking about getting the game, or someone that needs help with Tarkov, let them know about the community, let them know about the podcast, and just let them know where they can go to get help, or if they have something that they want to hear on the podcast, uh, let us know. But if you want to support us directly, and for those of you that are already doing it, we have Patreon for that. For those of you that have set up new Patreon accounts with us and are now patrons, we have the new $1 a month account. That is amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you that have done that. And for those of you that have done higher tiers, thank you so much. We appreciate any and all of that direct support. It's amazing. The last way you can support us is through all of our social channels, specifically YouTube. So youtube.com forward slash XP Media now. And if you're looking for me specifically, I stream a few days a week from 1 to 5 Central uh, during the week on Twitch. That's at MTB Trigger. And you can also find me on Twitter and Discord at MTB Trigger as well. But that's it for me. Ronald, how are you, man? And let these folks know how they can get in touch with you and what's going on on your side of the podcast screen. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Doing great this week. The best way to get in touch with me is always in Discord. Go ahead and hit me up with a DM there. Check in Discord pretty much throughout the day. There's lots of sections in there about asking questions, getting help from other players in the XP Media Discord. If you, there's even other games besides Tarkov, because there is actually other games besides Tarkov. We don't say that very loud, though. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Ronald Gaming, of course. And then I hang out in MTB Trigger's stream on Twitch a couple times a week, hanging out, talking with people. Just having a good time watching Trigger, frag it up and doing whatever game that he's playing. Outside of that, you can email the show directly if you have something more formal at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. But that's it. Hideout Keeping was pretty short this week. Time to get right into the show. So we had a lot of great feedback from last week's show about making money because, well, that's a topic everyone can relate to. We're all in various stages of being broken Tarkov uh, during our journey. And so we'd like to continue a little bit with that conversation and talk kind of a little bit about the more common questions, but some things that kind of bubbled up during the conversations that really can kind of help everybody. 
Trigger, you had a couple of interesting things that you did on stream this week. And if you haven't been into Trigger's stream, he usually does something specific, like oriented around a concept or a topic that we're trying to do. And so this week's streams were all about making money. So I actually spent a few hours and went through your money-making strategies, did some good raids. It actually was a lot of fun to watch and a lot of interaction with the community members. So I highly recommend that you do check out uh, Trigger Stream. But besides that, let's get into talking about some of the things that uh, we talked about with uh, our actual people this week. Yeah. And speaking of the stream, it was kind of cool. You know, we released the episode 44, which was all about making money early last week. We got the YouTube video out early, and then we got the audio version out on Thursday. And we had immediate feedback from that. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to be able to stream Friday. Let's jump in. Let's do the strategies that I talked about in there. And we ended up having some great conversations with people that either hadn't seen that way of making money or had their own way. And it was just really cool to hear those stories and then to talk through and then to actually show the strategies in action. We have a really interesting recording and release schedule because we're actually recording on Monday and some of it on Tuesday. And the vast majority of listeners, you will be listening to the last episode either today or tomorrow. So it's always an interesting feedback loop and we love it. But there's a bunch of you that will hear this significantly after you were aware that that stream happened. So that VOD is actually clipped out in its entirety on my Twitch channel related specifically to episode 44. And that will be available permanently. And we'll have the link in this show. And I think I'll probably edit the old show notes with that link as well. So you'll see me going through Interchange. You'll see me going through Factory. So I do the scav runs on Interchange and then going through Factory on my PMC and just putting the money-making tactics into play. And in about three hours, uh, pulled down about 2.7 million in direct rubles earned after selling stuff and then kept a bunch of items as well that were used for barters or hideout or things like that. So it was a very, very effective three hours and it was a lot of fun. So sorry for the long-winded explanation, but as a result of that and conversations in Discord, we had an amazing like dozens of conversations about making money in this game. And there were some really fun, like small little points and then some big ones too that we didn't even talk about on the show. And we knew that was going to happen. And one of the small ones that came up, I thought was fascinating because it's something that I have done from the very beginning, right? And you all know I am a caseaholic. I love cases. I try to get as many as I can and I try to organize stuff within them. And so one of the things I do, especially at the beginning of this wipe, is I pushed for a scav case because I wanted to throw all the barter items in there. And then as soon as I had enough money and had the ability to get a second one, I actually have one scav case for sellable items and one for stuff that I keep for my hideout or for barters. And the reason I do that is once I fill up a scab case, I sell out of it. And here's the piece. If you really don't like all of the clutter for selling stuff on the flea market in your stash, you can sell directly out of cases. And the tip here is that you can actually go into the flea market and then right click any case you have and hit open on the context menu. And then it will open that case. And if you move that screen off to the left, you can left click individual items. It will not automatically pick bulk. So you do have to individually select the same items if you have multiple of them. And then you can sell it from that screen. And when you post the item, you can then 
go back without closing the window. So it will just leave your case open and you can just sell over and over and over and over. And it's my favorite way to work on the flea market is post something, post another, post another. And then once something has sold, or if you have more than you know the three sell spots, I'm up to four now. And I know there's some of you out there that have just a boatload. But you can sell over and over and over from the same screen without having to close and go back in. So just know, you can sell out of cases. And again, I showed this on the stream, but I had a number of people reach out to me saying that they did not know you can do that. And for me, it's the reason the scav case, in my opinion, is one of the first things that I will always get at the beginning of a wipe. And I will always have two of them, if at all possible. Yep, and it actually makes your game time quite a bit more efficient. So like, say you're going to do I don't know, maybe like five raids in a row. You could fill your stash up like in two raids and you could use all the available space that you have to hold the items that you're going to sell. So if you can get a scav case and get that going, you can just start dumping everything in there and you get more play time and then you come back at the end and deal with everything that you have to sell. So I think it's a great tip. I think it's a great way to utilize space, especially if, you know, you're running on a standard edition of the game and space is at a premium in your stash. And you have to be very intentional with the way that you use your squares and a scav case to deal with scav running, which is a part of everybody's Tarkov experience is a great way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that sort of came up was this concept of, you know, when you're trying to make money, we sort of alluded to you don't want to lose money as well, or you want to limit the loss. But we didn't give any specific strategies for it. And I had a long conversation with somebody about using traders effectively. And I'll raise my hand on this one. I do not do this enough. I'm really bad about it. But there are a number of trades where you could go to the flea market, buy an item, and then purchase a, whether it's an attachment or a compensator or even a gun, and, and it's just going to save a bunch of money. And using the traders to their full ability, and we touched on this, but I was going through and looking at trades, and I'll tell you right now, I've been spending a boatload on X-Fill helmets with the ears when the face shield, and I have been selling GPXs. Every single time I've found them, I've been selling them. And it was a huge mistake because I just found out, realized, and I knew it was there. I just forgot. But you can trade a GPX for the airframe chops. And the chops can be put on an airframe with a face shield and you can wear a headset. It's like the ultimate factory helmet. It's glorious. But I was just selling my GPXs. And if I find a GPX, I can buy an airframe fully kitted for like $1,500, and then I trade the GPX for the face shield, versus the X-Fill, which is like 2000 plus. It's crazy. So right there, if I find a GPX, I was just selling it, and I could have been using that as an effective strategy for reducing my helmet cost expenditure on my runs. And I find GPXs all the time on Interchange when I run through Rasmussen and Teco. So it's just like, make sure you're keeping up with your traders and you're checking them every so often for the trades. Because even though I'm not that worried about rubles right now, I don't need to be spending as much as I have been. So there's there's really good opportunities out there for the traders. Yeah, and that trade's probably available at a higher level, right? I mean, that's probably a level 40 type thing. I think it's Peacekeeper 3 or 4, yeah, for sure. It's It depends, yeah. It's like late 20s or 30s for sure. So if you're 
earlier in your leveling journey and you're looking at traders at the level one or two in, in those ranges, you can do things like buy rechargeable batteries and trade them to skier for a ADAR. So if you're looking for guns, you can be scaving and pick up batteries out of file cases and boom, you get you get guns that you can use right away if you're struggling for guns in kind of the early part of the game. And there's eight, I think it's easy lamps will get you a big bag uh, from Ragman. There are trades like that that are very super common items that you're going to find while you're scaving that are available at level one and level two traders. You know, so this concept works for all different phases of the game. Whether you're looking for those XFIL helmets kind of, you know, in that level four trader range or if you're early on and you're looking for something on your way there. So I am also guilty of not using the traders as effectively as I probably should have been. It's something that I plan on being more intentional about for the remainder of this wipe, especially those level one and level two trades, because I think that early game could be a lot more optimized. And I enjoy that. I enjoy finding the best path of getting from the beginning of the game to, I'll say, the comfortable mid game. And so I'm pretty sure that I can optimize my path by learning the traders better. So I'm working on it. And if there's any trades specifically that you guys are aware of, you know, throw them in episode feedback. I mean, this is a key thing that we can share with everybody in the community that will make the game better for the majority of people because everybody starts at level one. So if there's something there that you guys know that you've done that you really love, throw it in episode feedback, throw it in a comment on YouTube. We'd love to hear about it. And uh, yeah, it could help everybody. Yeah, I think it's interesting the stuff that we just kind of fly through or somebody just flies through that they do all the time that somebody never even connected the dots that it's possible. And I learn new stuff like this all the time. It's easy for me to not think about the stuff that I learned a year ago now almost and just have been doing literally since the beginning. And if you didn't have someone show you that or see it, how would you know? And this whole idea of you know, these these major concepts and money making, you know, when someone asked me a question related to like an item, should I keep it? Should I sell it? Why would I do this? You know, my favorite horrible answer to give, but it's always the right one in Tarkov is, well, it depends, right? Everything depends. How much money do you have? What level are you? What are you trying to accomplish? Like all of those questions without knowing those, it's hard to answer. But we talked about not being greedy on the last episode. And when I was doing my scav runs, I was talking in the scav runs like, okay, if you're hurting on money and you had the run like I just had, this is when you leave. But I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I didn't need to in that moment. And it illustrated another point is that once you do get more comfortable and you start learning the maps a little better, make sure that you have some clear objectives or you at least know what you're willing to risk. And I had a really neat thing happen when I said, you know what, I could leave right now and make about 100K. And if, if there's no shame in that, there's no problem if you need the money or you just want it and you would have left at the same time, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go check out the middle of the mall and I'm running interchange, run into the middle and I see a guy laying down dead. Looks like he has a bunch of gear. There's no noise anywhere. And I go to loot him and then all of a sudden I hear Killa sprinting at me. And I'm like, oh man, I'm dead. And I had a toss. <laughs> I had a toss. So I'm just, I'm dead, but I'm, I'm going to give it my best. And so Killa comes sprinting. I lean out, shoot one blast with the toss, and Killa falls over. 
So this level 67 PMC with a meta foul, SA-58, got in a fight with Killa, got him down to presumably one or two hit points, and Killa killed him. But I ended up getting Killa and this guy's loot and then escaping. And it was that moment of like, know where you're at in the game because there you'll never know when something like that's going to happen. Will I ever kill Killa again with a Taz? If I ran in there with a Taz a lot, I could probably find a way to do it. But odds are that may be the only time that I get Killa unintentionally with a with a Taz. But I took what the game gave me. You know, I saw a body. I approached it cautiously. I proned around a box, started to loot it. That's when Killa came. And I just didn't give up. So know where you're at in the game. Know where you're willing to risk. I was willing to risk that 100k of loot because it didn't matter to me. But that doesn't mean it doesn't need to matter to somebody else. And any of those scenarios work out great. But I just wanted to talk about that is as you get more comfortable with your currency, expand, explore, go check this game out because crazy things will happen. I was shocked, man. I was shocked when Killa went down from one Taz Blast. And it was just a really cool moment that I will never forget now. And so I wanted to talk about that because it relates to all of this, but it was a conscious decision I made to risk the loot that I already had in my bags. And I wanted to, you know, risk that and go check out the rest of the map. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, there's this concept of not staying in the raid until you have a home run every single time. There's a lot of different ways to loot in Tarkov, and there's a lot of different philosophies of when are you full, right? So some players will say, I'm not leaving a raid or a scav raid or a scav raid until all of my squares are full of something. Some people will say, I'm not leaving a scav raid or a regular raid until my squares are full of, of something at a minimum value. And then there are other people who are crazy people who say like my minimum value threshold is 500,000 rubles a square or something like that, right? You know, those kind of people stay in and have really high risk, but have high reward. Now, when you're struggling for money in Tarkov in the beginning stages of the game, or even if your entire journey in Tarkov is a struggle for money, something to consider is changing up your play style and changing up what's acceptable to you to exfil with. Basically, knowing when to quit when you're ahead and being okay with that. There is nothing wrong with leaving with half full bags. If you've got 100, 200K and you're literally broke and you need a way to fund you know, your next gun to go do your PMC raid, do a couple of scav raids. You can be in the scav raid for literally less than 10 minutes. You could be in there for five to seven minutes. Who cares if it's survived and not, you know, if it's run through or whatever. That doesn't matter. You're just looking to either sell it all to the traders, or if you do get a survive, then you can sell it on the flea market, right? But even if you have to sell it all to the traders, you're still probably going to come out with at least 150, 200K in seven minutes on interchange and on factory for sure. And so this idea that you always have to hit a home run with loot is something I want to talk about because I really feel like this concept is misunderstood in the Tarkov community because guide videos, and we've I've talked about this before, I don't want to put words in the trigger's mouth, but I think a lot of well-intentioned creators make guide videos and they want you to be successful. Their goal is to make you successful by showing you where all the high value loot places are and saying, 
This is how you play the game. You go after these high-value loot places. And there will be a time when that's going to be your normal gameplay experience, right? You're going to do that if you choose to. But when you're starting off in Tarkov, and we're speaking, I'm speaking to that particular audience right now, that's not the way that you're going to be successful. You are going to die, get frustrated, and quit. (laughs) You're going to have to learn how to just get out, survive. Just like we talked about last week, this concept that it's more important to survive than it is to fill your bags completely. I love the concept of the home run, right? Because the truth is, if you follow baseball at all, Everyone knows that the home run derby is super exciting to watch. But the truth is, there are guys that can absolutely crush the ball, but have low on-base percentage, or have low RBIs, or whatever stat that makes them a well-rounded hitter. And the same is true in Tarkov. Now, that being said, there are players that are very capable of hitting home runs really often, and it's sustainable. I don't run into the middle of the mall every time. I've been killed by Killa as a scab so many times when I've gone into the middle of the mall. The truth is, I didn't really want to highlight that other than if you start exploring and get more comfortable, that stuff can happen. But I do think there's a lot of this home run mentality out there. You know, the LedX is probably the biggest one. You know, you got people that run Shoreline all the time for LedXs. But I really, really think that that can be fun for some people. But I also think that high consistency runs are really, really solid. And I have fun running quickly through interchange and running factory runs the way I know how to do them. And for me, that's what's most important. I found something that I have fun doing, even if the goal is just to make money so I can do other stuff. I found something that fits my playstyle that's fun that I can do over and over and over again, rinse, repeat. And you may not find it fun. You may find it boring, but I enjoy it. And then every now and then I can take a risk and, and go try to shoot killer or try to shoot a player or whatever. But I, I agree, man. I just don't think there's anything wrong with going for the home run where I struggle is when the home run becomes the only thing that's being seeked or the only thing that's being taught. Because I farmed Killa last wipe. I know how to go get home runs on interchange. I don't think that's the best strategy for every kind of player. So I think a well-rounded approach is really key. You know, and I know you said creator and I stared at you into the camera. But when I'm talking about strategies, like I think knowing what the home runs are, knowing how to do them is great, but also knowing the high consistency is key because you don't always get the right spawn. You're not always in the right game. Someone may flash you. Someone may throw a nade. So you, there's so many things that can happen that you need to be able to adjust in this game that if you're just going for home runs, I really think that's where people get frustrated in this game. And I don't know. I just I don't recommend that being the only strategy. Don't let the home run become the only way that you think you can play the game because you may go through a period of time where you are doing great. You found a spot on a map that other people don't know about or don't go to very commonly. You figure out a way to get in and get out, and that's awesome. And then Battlestead will change something, and all of a sudden, your one spot that used to be the old reliable is now contested at the least and flat out impossible to do at the worst. And I just want to make sure that as the game changes and you evolve your play style and you're working through the ups and downs of Tarkov, that you realize that the home run doesn't need to be the only way to play. And it's very tempting 
to to play Tarkov like that because FPS games in general are all about the home run. <laughs> they just are, right? And it's 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 the at the pinnacle of of skill, the pinnacle of the experience is about the home run. But Tarkov having a heavy strategy element to it as well, uh, perhaps different than other FPS games, right? So that strategy element makes it that you really have to kind of plan and think a little bit more through your loot strategy. And I actually really like that. I think that's cool because I think it adds a lot of diversity to what you can actually do in game. And I think that it makes the game have a lot more replayability versus just the same thing because I actually make the choice. I can either do the same thing over and over and over again if I'm in a spot where, hey, don't have a lot of time, just need to plow through, just need to make some money, going to do what I, I know works. Or I can say, hey, I'm going to go after Killa. Let's try plan Q and see what happens. And, you know, that's a high risk, but high reward situation, right? And you may have those uh, that are on your favorite list of things to do as well. So we just want to talk about this and kind of hammer this point home to everyone that don't let yourself get stuck in a mentality where you always have to you know, get the Ledex or it wasn't a successful raid. Living in Tarkov is successful. Yeah. And as you were talking, I just was thinking about this concept of, you know, what's a success and what's not. And I'm actually really impressed by a small change that Battlestate made. And it was allowing additional armor pieces, bags, vests, face shields, helmets to spawn in the weapons crates. And it sort of plays into this because they've teased the concept of dynamic loot and they haven't fully implemented that yet. And the way I understand that would be that, you know, there are areas that have a higher percent chance of good loot, but it's not always going to be on the same spawn location. You know, so right now there's places you can go farm for the red key card for labs, which would be the pinnacle of one slot value item is the red labs card. Now, Dynamic Loot would say, okay, well, there's a higher chance that it can spawn in this area, but Dynamic Loot would say it could also spawn anywhere with a very low chance. So that's not in the game yet, but this idea now exists in the game where if you go loot a big weapons crate, and they're kind of all over the place, you can find a slick armor in a random weapons crate off in the middle of nowhere. And then the hidden stashes have new items in them. Like, I love this because... It really adds an interesting decision to all gameplay. It removes the, it's only interesting if you go get a Ledex or if you go get insert expensive item here. If you're out on the outskirts and you loot a crate or you loot a stash and you get a high value item, there's an interesting decision there. Rather than, oh, you have to go to this area to get in the situation where you have a decision to make. I love this change, and I love hearing the stories of when in the raid, hit a crate, and boom, there's a slick armor. That's happened to me twice now. I had somebody talk about they had two slick armors they've looted out of these weapon cases now. Personally, I've looted helmets, I've looted headsets, I looted a face shield, and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And these are really valuable because find and raid face shields, they're barter only. So I love this change and I'm excited for seeing it continue and to see how they continue to develop this because I love when they add stuff that works for all player types and it adds interesting decisions while in the raid. So big fan of this and it's kind of related to what you were talking about. Yeah, because you can go from having just a normal scav with junk 
on it, basically. Or maybe, let's say, if you sold everything less than 100k, right? You hit a couple of weapons crates and you, uh, you've morphed into Chav and now it's game on. Right, or you went in with a duffel bag, and in one of those weapons crates was a massive backpack, right? It, it changes that rate for you. Now you have to be like, wait, am I just going to get this bag out, or am I going to go try to fill it? Or man, I, I, I went through the village, and I left all that loot. I could backtrack a little bit, and then go get all this loot and get out, right? It's a very cool implementation, and I feel like it's the start of dynamic loot, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Yep, I'm a huge fan of that concept of keeping everything random. As much as I talk about Shoreline and the loot runs, and I mean, yeah, I've optimized my thing that I like to do, right? And I've optimized how to make money. But I think that to keep the game fresh and keep it really, really dynamic, you got to have loot spawns all over the place. And I don't want to get into that specifically. That's a topic for a different show. But I like this specific change because I've noticed that too, doing my scav runs inside of whatever cases, whatever you can run across, there's definitely the chance that you can run across some good stuff. Now, I haven't run across the slick armor, but I did pick up, and I don't remember the name of it because I always sell them, the the green level six armor that sells for like 130K. I picked up one of those yesterday, actually. Nice. That was awesome, right? That was unexpected. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> what do we got here? So pick that up, threw it on, you know, and got out and it was great, right? So that's a that totally makes the whole run quite a bit more profitable. And it's just from a random element that they put into the game. So good change. I'm actually curious what you think about this, because when we started talking about making money in Tarkov, it was like, you know, we had some asks from new players. And over time, people were like, you know, you talk about these strategies all over the place. Could you put them all together? And we didn't want to like start and end the conversation because, you know, we have our own ways of making money and we know there's a lot of other ways to do it. And we think that's cool. It's one of the best parts about this game. But as we started to talk about it, then we did the show and then we got feedback both, you know, over Discord DMs and in the stream. It became really clear to me, at least, that the reason I got so focused on making money was actually really important for my motivation while playing, especially at this point in the wipe. So I'm curious, like, did you make that correlation as well? Or like, I don't know, I, I just found it fascinating why I got connected to this idea as it relates to my motivation right now. I think that my motivations to play the game are very similar to everyone else's. It's just that I don't have as much time to play as you do. And I think one of the strengths of our show, actually, is that we bring two very different perspectives to the table. And, you know, it's interesting because we talk about like low time players and I would put myself in that camp. And so what do, what do I mean by a low time player? I'm talking probably less than less than seven hours a week for sure to play. You know, the interesting thing about low time is that low time doesn't necessarily equate to low skill. It just means it takes longer to get to the place where you catch up with the other crowd of people, right? And in Tarkov, that means it takes longer to level, to get to open up the traders, to get your hideout to the point where your economy is stable, and all of the things that people who have more time to play get through quicker, right? I think that my motivation to play, I've found centers around making money, and I've realized it more because you and I are in our first wipe cycle. And as I've kind of reflected back on how the wipe has taken it, I've focused on making money 
so that I can stabilize everything else that I want to do in the game and have the ability to fund that. I've had to put a lot of time into getting my economy stable, and now I can focus on other aspects of the game. And it just, it's interesting to me because it seems like that took a lot longer than maybe some other people that I play with. But at the same time, hours in game, maybe it's around the same amount of time. I'm kind of just working through that concept. The reason I didn't tell you what my motivation was is because I'm going to ask you to dig into something you said. You said you were working to fund the other things you want to do in the game. So will you expand on what are the other things you want to do in the game? Because I think that's the key. And I'm wondering if it's similar to mine. And I'm actually really glad that you said it that way because I'm curious. So like when you say the other things I want, what is that? Well, for me, it's I want to become comfortable with close quarters PvP. I want to become comfortable with different types of guns and different types of situations. And I know that along that process, I'm going to die a lot. And I'm okay with that. I accept that as part of Tarkov when I choose to expand my skill set in Tarkov. And when I choose to expand my comfort zone, it just means that I'm going to make mistakes and die a lot. And so because of that, I needed to get my economy stable. And I guess what I'm learning is just exactly what that means. Because there's stable and then there's like slightly excessively stable. And I don't know exactly where that line is. I know where it is and you're way over it. (laughs) But I have had a bit of an epiphany over the last, I'll say, week and a half or so in playing Tarkov and really enjoying it that I have more money than I think I could probably spend before the wipe is over. So I decided it's time to just go ahead and try a bunch of different things because I can. It's an interesting experience when your economy is stable, the stress of trying new things and dying, it's a lot less frustrating because, oh, well, I died, lost a million ruble kit. Meh, I'll just go get another one or buy another one or make whatever I was excited to use at that point. So because of that, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you're stressed about your economy and you're stressed about losing what you're taking into the raid, you just, you mess up. You play not necessarily conservatively, but you just, something goes wrong in a stressful situation and you're not relaxed. And so then you die. And I've noticed in myself that there are things that I am not naturally comfortable doing in Tarkov, that because I have as much money in my economy as stable as it is, I am having a blast doing right now. And if I die, I don't really care. And the truth is not having the stress of having to figure out how I'm going to fund my next raid, I'm not dying nearly as much as I thought I would. Now, That doesn't mean I'm not dying, done some stupid things, but I'm not dying nearly as much to just being stressed about, well, if I go around this corner, if I push, I could die. I lose 500k worth of gear. I really don't want to do that. I got to figure out a way to sneak out of here so this guy doesn't get me. And then in that process, I get shot in the back, right? Because I'm just not playing as attentively to sound or my environment or whatever. Or I get backed in a corner and you get grenaded. You know, just something happens that stress caused me to make a bad decision, right? Whereas now, look out, I'm coming for you around the corner. (laughs) And it's it's great. So I love that because, I mean, you kind of defined exactly what you're working on. And I, I would boil that back down to 
it's either a skill or an experience that you would either like to be good at or have more often. And this is why I think the money-making thing is fascinating because we actually, I think, have similar motivations to play in that regard if we boiled it down to working on a skill or an experience. Because the truth is, I've said this a few times, I hit my first set of lofty goals for this wipe, and I've now hit my second set of lofty goals for this wipe, right? And it was all around cases and and things like that. And I've actually continued to make trades for cases. But furthermore, I really love this concept of setting a line or there's this, you know, arbitrary or at least individual line of comfortable, right? And I was joking when I said you're way over what I believe it is, but it doesn't matter what your number is. If it's 10 million, 30 million, 500k, it doesn't matter. The number for me is 10 million rubles liquid. And that liquidity, when I'm above that, gives me the mindset of, you know what, if I decide to go after Kappa, if I have a horrible rough string of raids, I have enough money to get myself back on my feet, I can always do scav runs, but for me, that's just that comfort one. And you talked about working on close quarters combat, and it's just interesting to me because I've met all the goals I set out to, but now I'm working on specific skills. And the specific skills for me when I have excess rubles are working on close quarters combat, but specifically pushing enemies. Meaning if they're around a corner and I think they're there, rather than my normal gameplay, which is strategic outplaying, putting them in a position to make a mistake, I'm working on putting people in a situation where they have to shoot faster and with better aim than I am. And I'm dying a lot doing it, but I don't have any fear of it because I'm investing that surplus over my arbitrary line that I set for myself into that skill set and working on it. And it is an incredible motivating factor to play at this point in the wipe, knowing that's what I'm working on. Because I honestly, a couple weeks ago, even a month ago, I was struggling to find the motivation, but I am torn, man. Like any spare moment, I want to get into the game right now. And it's almost like a new set of goals that I've worked out for myself. So I love the way you answered that because I feel like this is something that I I didn't realize how close we were on this. And as I was thinking about the money-making conversation, that's kind of where I landed is like, I'm really invested in getting better at certain aspects of the game. Yeah, it's interesting to me because I wasn't even thinking about this a month ago, to be honest with you. A month ago, I had decided I didn't care about Kappa at all, and I still don't. And because of that, I have decided that my goals were to be about skill this way, really more than anything else. And I would say I've maybe mastered is not the right word, but I have gotten to a high skill level when it comes to understanding the economy in Tarkov. And so because of that, I have a comfort for my own personal standards of comfort when it comes to being able to fund my developing skill, which is going to need a lot of funding, that now my goals have, I think, have been created. It's it's interesting because you say your goals changed. I'm not sure I had goals, really, to be honest with you, before I reached this point, which I can't even describe to you because I didn't know that it really existed until I kind of got here. I guess I was maybe thinking like I was getting bored with playing Tarkov, but then I asked myself, why am I getting bored? And it's because the thing that creates my comfort level, I had reached a comfort level in it. So I I have this 
buffer of more than 10 million rubles in my stash that allows me to fund basically whatever I want to do as many times as I want to do it. And because of that, now I'm going to start doing that and start working on things that I need to I need to work on. And I, I see you laughing, but the the reality is we have all different comfort levels. You had to have 45 cases before you could play the game. And it's true. And I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I only have a couple of cases and they're only there because I needed them. And other than that, I really just don't keep that much stuff. And this is actually a really interesting point because you have so much more playtime than I do. You're pulling out so much more gear. You have to find a way to organize and manage it. And if I was putting in as much playtime as you are, I would probably end up with a similar kind of system. I just don't have that need for that much organization. But getting back to the goals, I think that's a very interesting concept. Before we jump back into the goals, you said something that I think is critical. Low playtime doesn't equal low skill. Because the truth is, in the past month and a half, I've been a lower playtime gamer in Tarkov just by choice. Just like you. It's so interesting to me because I hit a place where it wasn't boredom. I was still playing from time to time. I was still doing raids. But we talked about being in a rut a couple episodes ago, and it was just a true, it was where we were. We both kind of hit one, and I became a low playtime player for a while. Now, for me, that's a bigger swing, maybe, and maybe you're in that all the time. But I think it's interesting how motivation and working on skills can can pull us out of that. And when you have more time to play, I think you can fly through some of these I don't know, goal periods, or sometimes you can just kind of push through it. And I've done that in the past where it's like, okay, well, there's not a whole lot to do, but I'm just going to keep raiding. And then all of a sudden I do something and I'm like, oh, I want to go do more of that. And I guess I bring that up because I think somebody with lower playtime may experience what I experience over a couple days, over a couple weeks, right? And I think some of that is what we've been talking about. And what you're saying is like, There's a lot of people getting into the mid game or even mid to end game right now that have been low playtime gamers this entire wipe. And it's just interesting to me that the motivations can change through there. But I do think higher playtime gamers can kind of brute force their way through some of those harder periods. Oh, exactly. And what I think is really interesting is the player base changes over the progression of the wipe. And something that I didn't understand last wipe, because I just didn't have the experience at Tarkov, but I have a great appreciation for now, is as all of the player base has made its way past really the early game and kind of into this, you know, whatever the mid game is for some people. Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, like the average level being somewhere around 15 to 20. And I still think that's true. I, I really do. I know some people think it's a little higher than that, and it could be. But let's say that the average level is maybe 25 even, okay? That means that even the low-time players now have pushed past that initial barrier to getting into higher skill levels, getting into higher gear levels, and having consistently better gear. And I think that makes it a big deal for every kind of player. Because if you're a high-time PvP guy, that means the people that you're going up against are better geared and maybe even better skilled. So the PvP is better, right? That's what people want. They want good PvP. If you're still learning PvP, you're learning with better gear. So instead of getting one shot every time, maybe you survive that one, that one or, one or two shot and you can run away and heal. 
it, there's all kinds of variables, of course, but the point is that it's not week two of the wipe, and the people who have been able to play for 40 hours are level 30, killing you at level three, right? You know, with whatever gun that you have, and you don't even have the flea market open yet. And I guess that my point is, I think that the game is actually in a good spot right now. And I just didn't understand enough about the current situation and the progression of the wipe to really get to that point. Or I didn't understand enough about the way that the wipe progresses to see the state of the game as it is today. And it has some challenges, right, in in its current state. But I think the game's actually really in an interesting spot when it comes to running into other people in raid. I do too. And I've been battling through this in my own mind because the truth is I rushed through a lot of the content, right? I've been in the mid to high 40s now for two months, right? And so when I became a low time player, I think a lot of other players who had a lot of playtime were doing similar things that I were. They were checking out other games. It's like Fall Guys came out, Among Us came out, right? I went back to PUBG and I think a lot of higher playtime gamers did that. And so then you have this period of time before 12.8 came out that a lot of the high playtime people are going and checking out other things or they're not spending as much time in game. All the while, the big chunk of the pack is is moving forward. And again, I, I like this low time not equaling low skill because I have a very good example. There's a guy I know who plays professional PUBG. He is a PUBG pro. But when he's not in scrims and he's not in matches, he plays Tarkov and he streams it. But he only streams Tarkov like six hours a week. And that's the only time he gets to play Tarkov. He's level 24. But the dude is insane when it comes to spatial awareness, gun skills, just nuts, right? Like incredible at the game. But he's just getting to the point where he's getting access to higher pen ammo. You know, so now you have guys like me who 12.8 got me back in. I'm digging the game. I'm trying to find any slice of time that I can fit a raid in. And now I'm fighting the low time players who are getting into the mid game and are having access to better gear, better ammo. And now it's harder. The game is harder right now because of that. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think there's a higher percentage chance of running into somebody who, if they get the jump on you, they're now going to have the ammo to kill you. You're right. It's not week three when I'm running around with BT and a fair amount of high-end ammo and I'm killing level, you know, threes through tens and they're just, you know, plink, plink, they're not hurting me. That doesn't happen all the time. And if you hit headshots, it doesn't really matter. But the point is that gap is much smaller, right? Between high playtime and low playtime right now. And we're coming into that phase. And there's way more stuff on the flea market. You can find any ammo on the flea market. You can find all the armors. I agree. It's in a really good place right now. And I think the bigger question is like, where does Battle State balance this, right? Because right now, is probably the most indicative of a persistent Tarkov. It's over time, you know, months, years, whatever it is, low playtime and high playtime aren't going to have a massive difference in what's available to them as far as gear, armor, ammo, and all of these things. And so right now, you know, is somebody who's a higher playtime is getting killed trying to learn new skills, I'm enjoying it. Because it's not like I'm just going in and stomping over people. No, I'm going in and if I kill, you know, if I wipe out factory, it's going to be level 20 
to 25 and above. And oftentimes there's 30s and 40s in there and they all have good ammo, you know? So yeah, your point about PvP and how people have better stuff. Yeah, I usually get to loot better ammo off of people. So when I win, I'm getting rewarded for it, but it is not easy. It is not getting easier right now from a PvP standpoint. And I think that's really interesting in the persistency conversation. Yeah, I actually think it's okay. If you have a lot of time to play, I think you should be rewarded by having good stuff quickly. I think that the ability to play 20 hours of game time, whether that happens over one week of real time or six weeks of real time, should get a player to the same place. And I think that's good game design. So I actually have no problems at all with people being able to rush to a point and then having someone like me have to take time to catch up with them. I'm fine with that. I think that where the Tarkov game design is going to struggle is the people like me get to that point and only get a small amount of time to enjoy that before it all goes away again. That's where you're going to lose people. Yep. Because it's a lot of fun for me right now. I don't have to worry about any of the things that I had to worry about to get to this point. I can play with the high time players, whether they're, you know, strategic or whether they're aggressive, it doesn't matter that's irrelevant. It's just about being able to keep up with the gear demands and the whatever, you know, whatever we're going to do demands of of the game. And so I think that the game design to go persistent is actually there because once you get to this point, everybody still likes it because the PVP is good for the people who really enjoy hard PVP. And for the people who can't play for a high amount of time, it's still a good experience because those hours that you do play are spent playing the game and not getting ready to play the game. So there, there's this idea that if Tarkov goes persistent, it's going to be bad somehow. I would, I would just challenge that thinking while acknowledging that it will have some challenges. It will have some problems in its current state. But think about how much more even the player base will be in a persistent state where you don't have this constant group, and I don't know how big they are, and I'm not even going to try to guess or quantify it, but you don't have a group that's always lagging behind that creates PvP situations, which are not fun even for the high time people, right? Because you don't like to get killed by a freak shot by someone who's got garbage. You know what I mean? That's not fun. True PvPers enjoy it when everyone brings their best to the table and you win because it's a skill thing. It's not because something just crazy happened and it was just a fluke. You know, no one really, really enjoys that in the long run. That gets old. And so I really think that Tarkov has got a lot of potential. That's why I like this point right now where the game's at. And if they could figure out a way to build upon this, where everyone has kind of progressed to a solid point, and if they could change this like late mid game to whatever the end game you want it to be, Tarkov really doesn't have an end game. It's really about unlocking traders. So I would say it's if they could make the path of unlocking traders a little bit more organic and sensical, because <laughs> it's not, I think the game has got a lot of potential to really cater to both groups and have both groups have a great time. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I don't think it matters what your play style is, how much time you can put into it. They've proven that this model works for that in this current wipe schedule, but I do think it needs to change in the near future. You know, what near future means? Is that six months? No. Is it two years? Ah, that may be too long, right? For me, it's somewhere in between that. And 
that's on the development side. From a player side, I'm looking at myself, but I would also encourage you to think about this and anyone to think about this. You know, if you're lacking the motivation to play, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to try other games. We all do it. We talk about it all the time. For some reason, there's this like negative connotation out there that's like, man, if you're not playing this game all the time, you can't talk about it. Or you can't think about it. That's not true. There's times where I wasn't playing Tarkov, but I was spending an inordinate amount of time thinking about it. But if you're lacking the motivation to play because you hit your goals or you don't think there's an end game in Tarkov or the end game that is in Tarkov isn't something you're interested in, think about a skill set. Is there a skill set you want to work on? And then figure out what would it take? What progression would you need on your character or what currency would you need on your character to have you feeling comfortable enough to work on that skill? And for me, that is a powerful motivating factor and it's strong right now. And I'll probably get through this and get to a point where I feel really good about developing the pushing strategy and the pushing skill. And I may go through another rut, but this has been invaluable to me to think about this in a way that when it happens to me again, I think I'll be able to get out of it quicker or be able to make a decision like, all right, you know what, I'm going to step back for a little bit or, or whatever, which I've never really done that with a game before because I've never been torn between so many titles before. It's just funny to me that this all comes back to making money and we did it as a request and it's turned into this like ultra introspective journey over the last two weeks. So anyway, that that's my final thoughts on it is, you know, it, take a take a step back, analyze and see if there's something that uh, you want to be doing and and maybe there's progression you can do to get there. Yep, I completely agree. And I'm really looking forward to what the community has to say about this. So please leave a comment down below. Let us know how your journey is going. What motivates you to play Tarkov right now or what doesn't motivate you to play Tarkov right now? Be sure to join the XP Media Discord and join episode feedback. We have great conversations about these kinds of things and it's a good place to try to flush out a long form thought. We've got some awesome, awesome people who really, you know, they, they write the tome. But it's great, though, because as we work through all these different ideas together, it's just a lot of fun. And everyone usually has something interesting that someone walks away with, like saying, huh, didn't really think about it that way. And that's the best part about this whole thing. But that's it for this week. So as you can kind of see the green bar flashing, I can see it flashing. We're moments away from disappearing. But before we do, as always, and I think just needs to become just routine. A blanket thank you to everybody in the community. You guys are all awesome. Thank you to everyone who participated in the PUBG PC giveaway. It was great. I can't believe we're going to actually give that thing away. The guy who got it, I'm super lucky. I almost <laughs> want to buy it from him. It's it's a great it's a great computer. It's a great case. And um, thank you to everyone who participated. And I look forward to our next giveaway in the very new future. It's just a great way to interact with everybody. And hey, people get free stuff. So that's always fun. Also, besides that, thank you to everyone for supporting the show on all the different media venues that you consume the show on, whether that is audio or on YouTube itself. Thank you for leaving all the five-star reviews. And we ask that if you haven't done that, please leave a five-star review on whatever platform that is. So there's Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, all the different places that podcasts are. Deezer. Don't forget about Deezer. Hey, if you're the guy who listens on Deezer, we need a review on Deezer. There's two now. Yeah, there's, 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 <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. So thank you to everyone who's done that. And please, if you have a minute, please go ahead and click that five star. It really helps the show 
get out to more people. And that just makes our community bigger, which is awesome. But besides that, have a great week. I wish everybody luck in your money making. I wish everybody luck in figuring out what your mid-wipe goal is. And when you figure out what that goal is, uh, good luck in achieving that goal. I'd love to hear what that goal is to an episode feedback or send me a DM or trigger a DM. We love to hear that kind of stuff. So good luck in all those things in your raid this week. And I hope you have a great week. See you guys. Thank you. See ya.